Hi, I'm Tyra G, your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal listeners. Yes, you, fearsome and generous, humble and honest in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. Every week, we meet at the table for an hour to experience, educate, encourage, and empower each other through our joys and our lessons learned. We share topics that tradition tells us there are some things we just don't talk about. But here we live beyond both the judgment and the wreckage. We share ha-ha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for way too long. Every week we start right where we are. Although many of your voices will speak light into darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. However, you must come dressed in your inner awesome, believing that impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, Cablecast on Cox and Verizon Fios, Channel 37 and Comcast, Channel 27 and Reston. And we are webcast worldwide at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Should you miss us, no worries. You can catch our archive, Frankly Speaking with Tyra G podcast, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you want to talk to me offline, you know that's easy. Just email me at tyra at tyragarlington.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme song and for naming it I'm listening. Over the past six years, Frankly Speaking with Tyra G has been intentionally curating thematic stories across generations, cultures, and genre. This week, we are inhabiting one of my favorite Frankly Speaking human library themes entitled were it not for those who care. This is a space where we intentionally have conversations with individuals and organizations who are committed to those who are or are potentially left over, left out, or left behind. In the past, past six years, we have interviewed young people, tweens, teens, millennials, and Gen Xers. We have listened to their stories where they have shared their hopes, their dreams, their fears, their challenges, and their joys. We listen to their collective challenges about surviving and thriving. And because we care, because we can, and because we must, we could not help but wonder, what about the children? More specifically, what about it on light, what about, excuse me, what time is it on life's clock for our children's well-being, their accomplishments, and their happiness? More importantly, what is our responsibility to them? To create a common thought space for our conversation this week, I'm going to share one perspective about children that begs consideration. Khalil Gibran, in his 1923 book, The Prophet, says, and I quote, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, 
but not from you. As though they are with you, excuse me, and though they are with you, they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but you may not give them your thoughts, but they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in a house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you, for life goes not backwards, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are set forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so loves he also the bow that is stable, end quote. You, my friend, are the bow. Now, in contrast to this philosophical, perhaps spiritual perspective, I offer the following. For it is only a few steps from the spiritual perspective to the realistic headlines that shout that our children are in crisis today. Globally, it's estimated that up to 1 billion children ages 2 through 17 years have experienced physical, sexual, or emotional violence or neglect in the past year. That's from the World Health Organization. Firearms recently became the number one cause of death for children in the United States. That's from the CDC. Social media. The pandemic and vast cultural changes have left a generation anxious, anxious and depressed. That's from AARP. Nearly one in ten high school students admitted they had tried to take their own lives hmm, in the previous 12 months, according to a survey published by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and one in five had seriously considered it. Okay, time to look inside and see what we can do. Contribute to improving the quality of life for children. Let us find a way to increase their time on life's clock, to accomplish, to be happy, and to have self-sustaining well-being. My guest this week is a member in an army committed to providing alternatives to the obstacles that threaten the well-being of our children an organization that focuses on helping our children, specifically girls, to walk in their worthiness, to separate what is happening to them from who they were created to be. My guest, oh, Miss Ashley Conrad, will touch your heart with her story. Ashley, the mic is yours. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, Tyra. I am so happy to be here. I am happy to have you, and I want you to talk about that organization because the title, I thought about this when I first met you, it didn't sound like what I think it is. So share with them the name of your organization and all the kinds of things it has meant to a younger population coming up. Absolutely. So I am with Girls on the Run of Northern Virginia. 
We are the local council, um, kind of the local arm, so to speak, of Girls on the Run International. Um, And our nonprofit seeks to inspire girls in our community to be joyful, to be healthy, to be confident, and to simply be empowered to be the next generation of female leaders in our communities. Um, So overall, across our entire international presence in North America, since 1996, when we were founded, we've impacted over 2 million girls. And right here in Northern Virginia, our local council of Girls on the Run, uh, founded in 2001, has served over 75,000 girls right here in our local communities. Wow. Okay, now help me understand something. Where do Mm -hmm. you find these girls? How do you identify them? How do you build the relationships? Yeah, that's a great question. So typically our program is partnered in a lot of schools. Okay. Um, kind of think of us as an after-school program mm-hmm. um, in, a lot, in a lot of communities. Uh, we also partner with unique partners um, to have programs in community centers, um, anywhere you can think of where girls can meet with their coaches in a park area or something like that. Uh, we are, are game to help anybody set up a team in their neighborhood where they want to create this safe, inclusive Uh, very empowering space for the uh, girls in their community. So give me a profile of one of your, one of your, do you call them clients? What do you call girls on the run uh, individuals in your program? We we call, we call them our participants um, and they are nothing short of star powered. Um, We use the term star power a lot in what we do and, helping girls recognize that essentially they have their own inner star power that makes them unique and special. And, you know, our goal is to help them unleash that limitless potential and really dare to dream as big as they want to and, you know, give them the life skills to accomplish that along the way as well. And really the magic of our program comes through with our coaches. We're completely volunteer-based. Um, with our coaches who are working with the girls one-on-one, um, and they are truly also star-powered and magical individuals that, you know, have the heart, have the passion um, to really share their time, talent, and treasure with the girls in their communities. So I know you mentioned the theme of this episode being, were it not for those who care. Yes. And I cannot sing the, I cannot sing the praises of our coaches enough because they're truly individuals who care, and they care so deeply um, kind of in that same overarching girl goal of they just want girls in our local community to know that they can take on any challenge that they want to and can more than overcome it. They can accomplish it and they can, you know, live their wildest dreams, uh, you know, to their maximum potential. So, Ashley, hmm, I want I have several questions I just wrote down. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I want to look at your, I want to walk into what your title means, engagement manager, okay? Because now yeah. you've told me about two or three different components, all right? You've talked about mm-hmm. the girls themselves, you talked about the coaches, you talked about collaboration with schools and, and centers. So what do you do? I mean, what is more than a job description, Ashley, kind of? Put yourself into it and say, all right, this is what I do. This is what gives me joy. This is a a challenge for me. This is what 
I want if everything could be perfect. You know, tell us what. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about you. Yeah. So um, I, first and foremost, I'm a child of the 90s. And I don't remember if everybody recalls um, this super big hit group back in the 90s called the Spice Girls. Yes. I was a major Spice Girl fan, had all of the <laughs> all of the merch, the posters, the T-shirts. My mom probably got sick of buying me so much Spice Girl stuff. But they were all about girl power. They were so, so big on girl power. And I remember just kind of embodying that back as a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also raised by two amazing women. I was raised by my mother and my grandmother, mm-hmm. two very confident, empowered women. And I just carried that concept of, girl power as a part of who I am, my embodiment. So when you ask me, what do I do as an engagement manager? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot, you know, you could run down the job description list, but really it's for me to bring out the girl power in everybody around us, you know, whether it's being at a community event and just being positive and, and teaching people about what we do at Girls on the Run, or it's helping a new team get started, um, helping train new coaches and make sure that the team has everything they need to have a successful first season with us. Um, Basically, I like to think of my job as I get to show up every day and eat, breathe, drink, sleep, girl power. (laughs) The reason I'm loving this, uh, my goddaughter has an organization in Atlanta called Girlosity. And Mm -hmm. it's girl power, right? And traditionally, we haven't just put that out as our our, as our signal. This is who we are. Look out! This is we're coming. We got it. You know, we traditionally haven't labeled it. We may have been assertive and aggressive, but we haven't said this is important for the survival of girls. So, okay, now Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going further into your your job. Why did you come here? Because when we talked initially, you had been somewhere else, and maybe it would be helpful to share what that experience did and how it was different than this experience, because I was thinking about it earlier today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, prior to coming to work uh, with the amazing team at Girls on the Run, I was with another nonprofit um, for many years doing equally amazing work and important and impactful work. Um, And that organization focused on advocating for children who were abused and neglected, helping them um, navigate the court system, the foster care system, and making sure that they had a dedicated advocate to speak up for them. And in my time there, you know, I started to see kids coming through on our caseload that I thought back to my childhood and I was like, man, if they had just had that one caring adult, you know, there is a fantastic YouTube video called one caring adult that, um, uh, this man named Josh ship, um, S H I P P talks about, he himself was a child of the foster care system. And he talks about how his life changed when he finally got that one caring adult who he truly could felt like he could confide in. Um, and, that thought just stuck with me for so long of there are so many caring adults out in the community. How do we, how do we get them connected with these kids? And um, 
just timing worked out and was ready to make a change and found Girls on the Run. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started and as soon as I saw how the program is so much more than a running program, because I think that's a big misconception. We're called Girls on the Run. People probably know us around town for our 5K um, runs and races. But once I started diving into how much is focused on a girl's mental, social, emotional health, and that the relationship that's built with the coach is so important, I started to see it from a new perspective. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, there were girls on my caseload that I saw back at my old job. If they had had something like this, could something have gone differently for them? So I really see girls on the run as a form of prevention, um, you know, to avoiding some negative outcomes that unfortunately impact too many of our children in our community. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. Um, all right. This is the first time you've used the words running program, and I'm excited mm-hmm. about that, of course. So um, I guess we need to flip back <clears throat> uh, for our listening audience. Both uh, Ashley and I have sinus infections, so we, we're sniffling through this just for you. We, we care. All right. We want the story to be told, but we're going to make it work. Um, talk about one uh, how you recruit, okay, and mm-hmm. both the girls and the coaches. And then I want us to do kind of a case. Let's let's say you, you've recruited me. How do you get mm-hmm. me involved? How do you find out what kinds of things I need that would make me, Tyra, uh, special and want to do this or need to do this? Can you do that? Absolutely, yeah. So I'll start by talking a little bit about the program, how it's structured, mm-hmm. um, how we get the girls into the program, then how we get the coaches in. So um, the program, uh, we have two programs. One is for elementary schoolers starting in third grade. And then we also have a middle school program that ends at eighth grade. And the beauty of both the programs is that they blend physical activity, which is running. Uh, every girl on every team builds up to run a 5K together at the end of the program with her entire team and coaches and family, which is so exciting. But over the course of their season, they have 10 weeks together where they meet twice a week mm-hmm. with their volunteer coaches. And while they're at practice, they're doing things other than running. Um, we introduce a big idea of the day. So let's say we're going to be talking about gratitude today. Oh. We'll open with open conversation. Hey, what do you guys think about gratitude? How would you define it? How have you heard it um, used before in your life? Get, you know, the girls talking, get their input, which is where the magic happens. Love hearing a a young person's perspective on things. Sometimes as an adult, it gets me to shift my perspective as a coach. Um, Then we'll do a fun warm-up activity um, where we're also incorporating that idea of gratitude or whatever the big idea is of the day. Um, before we move into what we call the workout, which is where we're building up to run that 5K. So we're running laps together, cheering each other on. And then we close out each session with a really special reflection period where every girl is journaling and documenting kind of what she's learned that day and what tools she can use and take home to put to use in her own life to, if we're using the example of gratitude, practice more gratitude with those around her. So it's really focused. The curriculum is, is data-backed, data-driven, and designed um, to really make sure that these life skills that we're working with the girls stick with them beyond their season of Girls on the Run. So 
you know, when they cross the finish line at the 5K, that's not the end of their girls on the run story. They've crossed the finish line. They are a girl on the run. And that title comes with so much more than just being a runner. You know, it comes with empowerment and confidence and, you know, the capability to know that any girl can do hard things and she can solve a problem with friends and she can work together to make an impact in her community. It's, it's just so much more than a running program, which is why I love it so much because I, I was an athlete in high school. Definitely wow. have racked up some injuries from that and <laughs> might not be the fastest runner anymore. I'm a light jogger and a walker at best. But, um, you know, I love that it gives girls a space to just truly be themselves authentically. Absolutely. Um, I want you to help us get even more personal. I know uh, we're going to hear from one of your graduates, but become or channel one of your current, uh, we'll do two of them, one of the current ones uh, that start in the third grade. What are they like? Oh, my gosh. They are a a (laughs) bundle of energy. Okay. And it's so funny because you have teams that have been at the same school for many years. So you might have a sixth grader mm-hmm. who this is her third or fourth time doing Girls on the Run, and you're starting to see the sixth graders and the fifth graders take on leadership roles because they kind of know what's going on, and they'll guide the younger ones. And then the younger ones are just, their minds are so open, and they're just so excited to learn and just be with new people because that's also the beauty of these teams is we're getting, especially in Fairfax County, we're getting third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade girls together on the same team. Okay. So, yeah, they might have their, their best friend from third grade, but now they have the chance to make be friends with a fifth grader. Like, that's kind of cool. Um, so, I mean, the girls are just simply amazing. And, and when they come to Girls on the Run, I love it so much as a coach because what I've seen reflected is that we truly create a safe space where, you know, the cool, we like to say the cool gets checked at the door. There's no pressure to to live to any sort of standard. Okay. And they can just be themselves. And, like, I describe it, I'm like, my girls on my team are just goofy sometimes. And where <laughs> is there a space where girls that I just get to be goofy without fear of, oh, what are they going to think about me if I make a silly joke? Or, you know, all of that is taken away. And it's, it's just an amazing, inclusive space where they just totally get to be themselves and start you know, figuring out what is important to them and, you know, what do they want in a friend and how are they going to be a good friend and and so much more. I'm loving the fact, well, first of all, I love the fact uh, young people have been a part of my life forever. And, yes, they can be truly goofy. But what I think about (laughs) is in my stage and age, I like to be truly goofy, too, to remind me Mm -hmm. the gifts that life brings, you know. Um, okay, yep. so now we've got them. Uh, how, how do you fund the program? How do they get uh, their paraphernalia to their uniforms to run? Or do they have uniforms? Let me ask that. Yeah, so uh, it's a really big cost to undertake to run the program. So um, the cost that our organization absorbs per girl is, um, oh, gosh, I know it's, I want to say it's close to $300 per girl to basically – ensure that her coach has all the supplies for the team, um, make sure that she has everything she needs for the 5K, um, for some of our teams getting snack support. Um, and we do charge a participation fee, 
Um, so there is a fee that parents pay to help offset, but it's nowhere close to that $300. So we do a lot of fundraising. We're a nonprofit, so um, we do everything from applying to grants to hosting fundraiser uh, events of our own to just relying on on donations. So um, funding is a, is a really big uh, challenge for us to overcome, but uh, our team is, is always ready to uh, take on that challenge to make sure that we can reach every single girl who wants to participate and that every single girl who wants to participate can. Um, we will never, ever turn away a girl from a family's inability to pay, and we have a really robust scholarship program to ensure that every girl can participate. You know, I'm listening to every time you say something, Ashley, I come up with a new thought. Um, okay, I, I work a lot with nonprofits, and I know funding is an ongoing challenge. Um, but the other piece of it is what you're doing is so necessary. Um, you, can get, you can get where you need to go. Uh, for some reason, people are beginning to understand that youth are our future. They're all we got. Yeah. They are our yeah. secret weapons. If we don't turn them out so that they are socially adaptable, culturally ready, then we lose. Mm-hmm. We really lose. So, um, all right. Now, one other thing you talked about was uh, partnerships. Uh, you, you talked about your partners, and you mentioned the schools. So, all right, put on your marketing hat. How do you recruit these yeah. girls? How do you, what do you do? Do you suddenly say, oh, yeah. there's a school over there? Or, I'm sure you have a strategy. I know you have a strategy. <laughs> but, but help us understand what it is. I want to get deep, deep, deep into Girls on the Run. So I want people to say, oh, maybe we should do something like that. You know, this is an international yeah. program, so we don't know. Let's drop some seeds. Um, talk to me about, um, well, just talk to me about how you get it going. Uh, you've already talked about it being difficult. Talk about your process. Take us through the process. You're, you're head yeah, of Girls so, on the Run, so, you know, you're president tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in a lot of ways, it comes with community awareness. Okay. Um, you know, we do have a really good brand recognition. Um, so usually it'll happen that I hear from a parent or maybe I hear from a teacher or a school counselor, hey, I came across your program or I heard about this at another school. I'd love to get it started at my school. And, you know, we work with them to identify what we call the people power because um, it does take several adults to help us get a team started. Okay. Um, so we have. So we have um, a site liaison at every single one of our teams. That's kind of our communication point person to help us get the team started. Um, and the site liaison is also the person who is helping us get the girls on the team. And that, that's the magic is the site liaison is typically, if they're in the school, it's somebody like the school counselor or a teacher. So they know the school. They know the school community. They know the girls. So they can do things like, individually invite girls to the team or send home flyers, um, post a a newsletter blurb, you know, to parents or an email home. Um, And we really let the school or the team community decide how they want to recruit girls to the team because they're the experts in their community. Um, We also, every team is required to have at least two coaches. Um, and all these positions are volunteer positions. So you can imagine sometimes it's tough to yes, yes. get those roles filled. Yes. Um, but we work we work really hard to make sure that we have coaches um, from all walks of life, which is, I mean, also the beauty of the program. 
Um, you know, I will say since we're mostly in schools, a lot of our coaches are teachers, but they're also oh. people like school counselors. Because okay. um, school counselors really understand the benefit of how we're we're touching on those that mental health, the emotional health piece. Um, we have a lot of parents of the girls themselves that coach, and we also have just community members who this is how they want to give back of their time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, our priority is that our coaches reflect the immense diversity that we have here in Northern Virginia. Um, so, you know, if you're thinking about dipping your toe in the water of maybe you're hearing about this program, you're hearing us talk about it and thinking, huh, I bet I could do that. Um, you know, we'd love to have everyone that is interested in being a coach come out and do so because it, it is life-changing in the best of ways. I never thought I would be more emotionally, mentally, socially healthy myself as an adult than when I started coaching um, in addition to working for girls on the run. You, you know, know, every practice, they're teaching me something, you know, it's, it's great. It's well, the thing is, uh, actually, I don't know who's doing this because every point I wrote down to ask you covered, I had diversity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did put in English as a second language because people may not understand just how diverse uh, uh, yes. Fairfax County is, Northern Virginia is, and it's constantly changing for several reasons. Plus, we've got mm-hmm. the government and the movement of people in and out. And so uh, diversity becomes a huge key. And I was going to ask huge you, um, for new Americans, they are in our public schools. And sometimes mm-hmm. we have to do some special things because we want them to have the experience they deserve. And a lot of the times exactly. my experience has been language, English as a second language, but also the whole inclusion thing. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. if we get down to the nitty gritty, you talked about how these teams are formed. Teachers, well, we know teachers got to come with that special gift. Uh, parents, all of those people have to come together. And it's not always synchronicity it's not always easy so i know there has to be a secret because girls on the run has been here and been successful what's the secret ingredient i mean that's a lot of differences expectations uh, abilities Mm -hmm. uh, passions coming together like in a mixing bowl and then out the other end comes a successful girls on the run program what's the secret ingredient if you had to you had to describe it. I would say it's our training and our coaches. So when people come to us to coach, um, first and foremost, they are background checked. You know, these people are working with kiddos and we want to make sure that it's number one, a safe environment. Um, And after that, they're they're trained by um, Girls on the Run International through an online learning module. And they're also trained by us, our staff here in Northern Virginia um, during an in-person session. And the training that I received as a coach for Girls on the Run, and this is taking into account that I did coach previous to Girls on the Run. I was a gymnastics coach um, for several years, um, kind of with my old uh, gym back in my hometown. And the coaching that I training I received from Girls on the Run completely shifted how I approached my demeanor in coaching. So the first thing we I three kind of secret sauce breakdowns to what we put our emphasis on with our coaches. Mm -hmm. The first is 
building relationships. Okay. We we really work with our coaches to make sure that the coaches are fostering true, authentic connections between themselves as a coach with each girl on their team. Mm-hmm. They're taking time to get to know each girl. So maybe it's, I'm going to run a lap with Sophia right now because I want to check in and hear about Sophia's family. And then the next lap, I'm going to run with Nikki, and I'm going to hear about how her school project went that she told, told me about at last practice. Okay. So really intentional connections with the girls, but also the coaches foster connections between the girls to each other. Okay. So like I mentioned, a lot of these girls are coming from different grade levels. So they might know their friends in their grade level, but they don't know the other girls outside of their grade level. So the coaches are making sure that, you know, we're pairing girls up in unique ways, having them have fun together and getting to know each other and getting to know their team so that they foster those genuine connections as well. Um, The second, second kind of point to the secret sauce that our coaches create is really that positive and inclusive environment. You know, when we're talking together, we're getting everybody's input. We're making sure that when we ask about a topic, everybody that wants to be heard in the circle is being heard. We're being very positive and upbeat. You know, when we come to practice, we want to set the tone that this is a place to have fun um, and be ourselves and kind of model that uh, through leadership as coaches. Mm -hmm. And also giving kids a voice, um, which is so important, letting them feel like they have control in some way, shape, and form of how practice goes. So whether that's, um, you know, I'll pick somebody from our team who's going to lead the warm-up today um, to all the way to at the end of the uh, season, the girls create a community impact project together. Ooh. That is 100% decided and led by them. They get to do it. Well, now, so the, giving put a comma there. I got to hear what that is, community impact. Yes. I'm excited. Yeah, so the community impact project, so every team – Um, This is girl-driven. They decide what they want to do, but every team picks um, a cause that matters to them as a team. So whether that's the environment or you can imagine we're working with elementary schoolers, animals are very popular, um, or if they want to help out doctors and nurses at the hospital or first responders, and they put together a project to give back in their, their own little community. So for example, Um, on my teams before we've done things where we made gift baskets for doctors and nurses at the children's hospital. Um, We did a bake sale and the proceeds went to a local animal rescue. So things like that, but it's all led by the girls. So getting kind of putting the power in their hands is, is so important for them feeling like girls on a run is a place where I get to show up. My voice is heard and I'm a leader. Um, And then the last little bit to the secret sauce with our coaches that we train them on. And this is the part that really, from my previous coaching experience, really helped me shift my mindset as a coach is we focus on what we call a mastery climate instead of a performance climate. So in a performance climate, if we're thinking about, if we're thinking about running a performance climate, you know, your coach might say something like you have to do better. You have to make that time. You can't be that slow. Um, whereas in a mastery climate, we're just focused on that one girl and what her best is. So if I'm working with Chloe and I know last practice, Chloe ran eight laps. I'm going to look at Chloe today and be like, Chloe, how many laps are you running today? And Chloe could turn to me and go, coach Ashley, I think I got six laps in me today because I had a really rough day at school. Mm. And I'm like, you know what, Chloe, 
that's fine. Mm-hmm. You go you go rock those six laps. And you know what? Next week we'll be back at, at our eight laps. So it's that mindset of you're not coaching them to be the best at something. You're just coaching them to be the best of themselves. That is completely shifted my perspective on coaching and really that's driving the secret sauce that our coaches have with these girls and why the environment at Girls on the Run truly is that positive, just happy space. We're not pushing them to go harder. We're pushing them to, we want them to tell us what's your best I and want, how can we help you get there. I, I want, I'm treasuring right now the concept of the secret sauce. And I love, and I want to go over them. Um, the first one you're talking about, the coaches with the girls. And the coaches mm-hmm. are building building the relationship with the individual girls. The second, they're yeah. building the relationship between the girls. And the last, mm-hmm. which I love, is a mastery climate versus performance. I remember teaching in a private, well, I was administrative head of a private school, and we did authentic assessment. And it was that child moving through the year against his own performance, you know. And it was Mm -hmm. hard for parents because they'd been caught up in a system that said A, B, C, D, you know. And so we had to work with the translation when we got into the testing part. I love that. Now, the other thing you said when you were talking Mm -hmm. about Chloe uh, said, I only did six laps because I had a rough day in school. Right away, Mm -hmm. my heart starts smiling. She opened up. She said, I had a rough day in school. That is a gift that a child, especially teens, tweens and teens, you know, uh, she said, this is how I did because of this. And I'm sure, based on what you told me, the coach was able to go back to what, what made it a rough day, right? Exactly. And that's the beauty. Then we, then we know kind of, we, we check in with all the girls at the beginning of practice, you know, every coach does. And I should also say all these girls' names are just ones I've made up, for example. They're not any yeah, particular yeah, yeah. stories. Um, but, you know, coaches check in with each girl to kind of gauge where they're at. And it gives you an opportunity, even if they don't necessarily say right off the bat, oh, I had a rough day at school, but you can tell immediately when yes. somebody's mood is down. Yes. And it's being intentional and saying, okay, once I get the activity started, I'm going to go do a couple laps with this specific girl, and, and we're going to chat through what's on her mind today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I did have a girl on one of my teams that was very shy and very quiet, um, and, you know, it took a lot of my time of just being intentional and saying, I'm going to do at least one lap, if not two laps, every single practice with this girl. Mm. And by the end, by the end of the season, I really had a genuine connection and I felt that she was more quick to, to open up if I asked her something. And, you know, I like to think that maybe she started to see me as that safe adult that she could, she could, you know, vent to and turn to. Um, so I really think that's the beauty in it. And that's, Creating that safe and inclusive space is the magic that our coaches do each and every day. They show up to practice. And, you know, we talked about just now the coaches' relationship with the girls, between the girls, with the girls. How about the coaches Mm -hmm. uh, with one another? They have that opportunity to share and grow and vent and all that other kind of thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a coach... I think every single one of them would tell you that they get so much out of this program 
as much as they put into the girls. You know, it helps us when I'm teaching certain lessons about positive self-talk. I'm sitting here teaching the lesson about positive self-talk and in the back of my mind going, yeah, I've got to make sure I'm doing this for me, you know? There you go. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's also great because, like, we were talking about diversity earlier. You know, our coaches, you could have a team where one coach is a teacher, one coach is a parent, one coach is somebody from the community. So it's really cool to also have all those different adult perspectives um, to help guide the team because where a teacher might have, you know, great expertise in something like um, – kind of classroom management or, or helping get the girls together. If we have a coach who, you know, has been an athlete their whole life, they have, they carry that perspective of what it's like to push yourself and, and set goals personally and, and hold yourself accountable to that. So, yeah, it's just, it's really awesome to see, you know, how our coaches come together as a coaching team of their own as well. Yeah. I'm thinking, um, at all levels, you're building community, and it's almost like uh, a matrix. The girls with the mm-hmm. girls, the girls with the coaches, the coaches with the coaches, the coaches with the parents, and and what I'm seeing, and well, in my own mind, is it takes a village. It Amen takes to a that. village <laughs> to make yes. this come full circle for these girls because they've got a lot women. And they will be women, have a lot on Mm -hmm. their plate today. Everything is evolving, and they have to wear so many hats, and they have to make so many choices that aren't necessarily traditional choices. So I'm excited about the program. I want to ask, how do you all measure success of your program? Yeah, so um, we measure success, obviously, anecdotally. Like, I could keep telling you stories all day about shining moments that I've experienced or that I know fellow coaches have experienced. But, you know, looking at actual numbers, um, Girls on the Run International, so our parent organization, has partnered for many years now with Dr. Maureen Weiss of the University of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Um, And she herself is an expert in positive youth development. And um, there's been an independent um, peer-reviewed study done on how Girls on the Run lessons positively impact a girl not just when she's in her season and seeing her coaches twice a week but how it positively impacts her in the long run um so we've found through that longitudinal study that um 85 percent of the girls and this is after participating in the program okay reported that they improved their confidence their character development their compassion their competence their communication skills with others and 97% of those girls report that they learned critical life skills. And mm. these are things like resolving conflict. How do we help others? How do we make intentional decisions? Um, so there is so much data out there showing how crucial and critical Girls on the Run programming is um, beyond just, you know, the amazing anecdotes that you could turn to any girl that has participated in Girls on the Run. And I can almost guarantee she's going to, have positive reflections of her time with her coaches and her team. And I'm sure she will. I want you to do something because I think it's significant. Uh, As a result of the longitudinal study, give us those numbers. You said 85% reported and then 95% reported additional information. Can you share that? I guess what I'm saying is let's share the power of the program through the statistical analysis, longitudinal study. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, so 85% of girls reported improvements in their confidence, Mm -hmm. their character development, their compassion, their competence, and communication skills. And 97% report that they learned critical life skills, um, like resolving conflict with friends, how they come together to help others, and uh, how they make intentional decisions to be the best version of themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I'm thinking about this program. It's pretty exciting. And we also have seasons. Yes, we have seasons and the weather changes. Is this a year round <laughs> program? Uh, how is it managed? Because I, you know, during the snow, I can't imagine you all <laughs> racing. Yeah, we do take the winter and the summer off. We follow a school calendar. Okay. Um, so we do a season. We do a season in the fall. So we're right in the middle of our fall 2023 season right now. And then we do a season every spring as well. Wonderful. Absolutely. Now, the question that I cannot uh, escape asking since it mm-hmm. affected the world, what happened during COVID to your program and to your girls? And how do you know what happened? Yeah, it was it was um, so important for us to continue. And in those very early months, um, you know, we pivoted to have it be a virtual program. So girls were logging on to meet with their coaches and do some activities virtually. And then um, coaches, you know, telling them, all right, now go out and run, get get your laps in and and build up um, to 5K. Um, And then as things started opening back up, we had a really cool thing happen. So the schools weren't necessarily ready to start hosting programs again, and we got really creative. And we had way more community-based teams than we ever had. And one of them um, I want to highlight, we partnered with the Arlington Partnership for Affordable Housing. This is a nonprofit in Arlington that provides um, affordable housing to um, low-income families. And we ended up setting teams up at four of their apartment complexes where the girls would come, they'd come home from school, mm-hmm. go upstairs, grab a water bottle, grab a snack and come right downstairs to the bottom of their apartment complex. And their coaches were there waiting for them. I love it. And that, that partnership continues to this day. It is one of our most successful partnerships. We've actually been able to build something similar with another um, affordable housing nonprofit in the area. And the beauty in that is it takes all of the pressure off of parents to think about things like after-school transportation. Yes, yes, Because now yes. Your, your child is just at home where they're already safe and comfortable, and they're just coming down to, like, the little local community park right outside with their coach um, and still getting that really impactful program. I'm thinking that might be one of the best marketing ideas that you shared thus far <laughs> because so many of people, single parents, whatever, Mm -hmm. having to work, need the safety of a program like this. We haven't, we haven't really talked about that, but that's always on my mind when I think, what about the children? Is there safety? And are they having some kind of supervision, some type of positive alternative to the street? And, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and it's not, it doesn't have to be the street. You and I both know with human trafficking so avidly, growing just having a place and that one what did you say the one adult to the one to, caring adult yep. yes mm-hmm. one caring adult is so essential well i'm going to ask you a big question now miss mm-hmm. ashley what would you do if you knew you could not fail to impact girls on the run what would you do yeah um so this one i mean this is the vision i think all of us you could 
turn to me, any of my colleagues, any of our coaches, anybody who's ever volunteered with us. And, you know, ultimately, the dream of Girls on the Run is to contribute to a, a world where girls, they get to grow up to be empowered, they get to grow up to be well-rounded and self-assured individuals that have control of what their destiny looks like and at the same time make a positive impact on their communities. So for us, it's really a vision of a brighter, more inclusive, more equitable future for all girls where they have the tools and the confidence to achieve their dreams. So let's let's say that all the girls on the run across the nation are listening. What message would you give them this evening? What would you say to them to keep them encouraged, excited, and wanting to expand the program or to, to call up their, their besties and say, hey, come on, let's do this? What would you say to them? Yeah. Too? I would tell them to activate their star power. All of our Girls on the Run girls know what their star power is. They know it's their superpower of what makes them the most unique, awesome, empowered individual in the world and to always remember that your star power it lives in you and it's nothing something no one can ever take away oh i love it and if you you follow your star power you will reach your dreams so you have been with this program for how long i've been with girls on the run for about a year and a half now so i want our listeners to understand what you just heard What you just heard, (laughs) the enthusiasm, the knowledge, the commitment, and the passion. But I have to say, Ashley is a person like we all are that is a journey, not a destination. So she came to Girls on the Run with gifts to offer. And she has already said to us she's received several gifts or uh, change in perspective since she's been with the program. So... It's been positive, positive, right, Ashley? A hundred million percent. <laughs> have you ever wondered how much that is? A hundred million dollars. That's what I want. A hundred million percent. That's what I want. Yes, of course. But uh, I wanted just to say thank you for what you're doing. Uh, the need is so great. The need is so very great. I wish we could have it in all uh, public housing Uh, affordable housing environments uh, for our girls and for our boys. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. we are fighting, fighting positively, gang formation and other things where people, these young people are looking to belong. And so I just want to say kudos to, to Girls on the Run. And I want you, you know, my audience knows I always ask my guests to write a letter to their younger self. And Ashley Mm -hmm. said, you know, I don't want to do that. (laughs) She said, I broke the rules. (laughs) She broke the rules, but she's going to read for us a letter from one of her graduates, right? Yes. So this, uh, this is so special to share with everyone listening. This is a letter written from um, a girls on the run alumna, as we call them. So she participated in the program when she was in elementary school. um, And you will hear where she's currently at now. All right. All right. Hello, my name is Rhea. I'm currently a senior at Penn State University, but when I was in elementary school, I was a participant in Girls on the Run. If someone had told me back then that the lessons and memories I gained from Girls on the Run would stick with me to this day, I wouldn't have believed it. At the time, I just enjoyed having fun with my peers, 
But as I look back now, I can recognize all the important life lessons I was able to learn as an adolescent. I enjoyed being a part of the Girls on the Run community and being able to connect with my friends outside of the classroom. I remember always feeling uplifted and empowered by the environment the coaches created. And while I do have fond memories of the various lessons, my favorite part as a kid was always the activities we engaged in. I enjoyed getting to be active, having fun, and simply running around and feeling free in that environment. Hmm. Looking back at all of the lessons I have learned at Girls on the Run, there are still many values that I carry with me today. There was always an emphasis on being confident as a young woman, which was never really something taught in school. But Girls on the Run provided a place for young women to feel inspired about the endless possibilities in their future. As a former participant, I can proudly say that Girls on the Run helped me learn more about teamwork, compassion, internal motivation, and resilience, to name a few. These were all things I noticed my peers learned much later on in their lives, but because of Girls on the Run, I always felt like I was ahead of the game. As a woman in STEM, there have been many times in my academic and professional career where being a woman has felt like a disadvantage. Mm. But when I think back on the messages and themes that were conveyed in Girls on the Run, it helps to remind me of my value and importance as an individual. Girls on the Run helped to look deeper into myself and understand that I too have things to say and that my voice should be heard. Mm. I feel that because I was taught these lessons in elementary school, they were instilled in me from a young age. And while I would credit my successes in life to a multitude of different factors, Girls on the Run is definitely one that made an impact in my life. The lessons of pushing past what may feel like your limit inspire me to never settle for anything less than my personal best. And I think that is the mindset that has helped me get to where I am today. Is that Miss Rhea? That's Rhea. Oh, we love it. Listen, we're gonna get we're gonna give Rhea a shout out because I know you're gonna share this this uh podcast with her um i have something i think is kind of fun that i wanted to close with um Mm -hmm. it is uh written by one of my favorite poets and i love it because we're talking about girls right and it's called Mm -hmm. if i should have a daughter ready for this Mm -hmm. if i should have a daughter instead of mom she's going to call me point v because that's the way she knows that no matter what happens, at least she can always find her way to me. And I'm going to paint solar systems on the back of her hands so she has, excuse me, so she has to learn the entire universe before she can say, oh, I know, I know that, like the back of my hand. And she's going to learn that in this life, excuse me, I am having a hard time. And she's going to learn that this life will hit you hard in the face. Wait for you to get back up just to do it back again. But getting to one, getting, excuse me, getting the wind knocked out of you is the only way to remind you and to to remind your lungs how much life they have to taste of air. There's hurt. Here, that cannot be fixed by a band-aid or a poetry. So the first time she realizes that Wonder Woman isn't coming, I'll make sure she knows she doesn't have to wear the cape all by herself. 
because no matter how wide you stretch your fingers, your hands will always be too small to catch all the pain you want to heal. Believe me, I've tried. And baby, I'll tell her, don't keep your nose up in the air like that. I know that trick. I've done it a million times. You're just smelling for the smoke that you can follow the trail back to a burning house so you can find the boy who lost everything in the fire to see if you can save him. Or else, find the boy who lit the fire in the first place to see if you can change him. But I know she will always, excuse me, always. So instead, I'll, I know she will all, anyway, look at me. This is not good. I'll try it again. But I know she will anyway. So instead, I'll keep her an extra supply of chocolate and rain boots nearby because there, there's no heartbreak that chocolate can't fix. Okay, there's a few heartbreaks that chocolate can't fix, but that's what the rain bouts are for because rain will wash away everything if you let it. I want her to look at the world through an underside of a glass-bottom boat, to look through a microscope at the galaxies that exist on the pinpoint of the human mind because that's the way my mom taught me. And there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this, my mama said, when you open your hands to catch the wind up and only blisters and bruises appear. When you step out of the phone booth and try to fly and the very people you want to save you are the ones standing on your cape. Mm. When your boots will fill with rain and you'll be up on your knees in disappointment. And those are the very days you'll have all the more reason to say thank you. I want you to understand, all of you listening, that you are special, you're worthy, you're one of a kind. You're stronger than you feel, smarter than you know, more loved than you can ever imagine. I want you to treat yourself like someone you love. You've been listening to Ashley Conrad, Girls on the Run. Google that program. It's so worthy. Until next time, this is Tyra G. Bye.